Hello, welcome back to Resurrections in Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And we are once again dipping back into the history of the Marvel Universe with the miniseries History of the Marvel Universe. Self-evident, obviously. And we are now up to issue four. And just like the previous three episodes, I have Peter Rios with me. How you doing, Peter? Hey, Al, how are you today? I'm good, I'm good. I'm ready to jump from the 70s through the into the 90s here mm-hmm. yep this is this is the issue i've been waiting for oh okay so yeah so this one jumps from a quite a stretch of time like 75 76 till like what 91 92 looks like yeah, no, I, 94 even because it goes yeah. into apocalypse well i mean if we go up to onslaught that's 95 oh, almost that's 96 right. yeah that's right it's almost 20 years worth of coverage which is surprising yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, yeah, it does seem that way. It seems like the uh, as this time scale goes, it's, it's sliding timeline moves. Everything in the middle kind of gets more more scrunched in together. Right, right. You know, all the recent stuff they can say all that took place several months ago, and the original stuff took place a while ago. But everything in the middle is kind of like, yeah, that was like a two year period where a lot of stuff happened. <laughs> it was a busy time. All right. Well, like the other ones, we're not. I'm not going to drop a synopsis in because kind of covering the way we're covering this kind of really gives you a synopsis because it's just a, you know, this happened and now this happened. Mm-hmm. It's just written decently well and the art is just amazing, so it makes it less boring than something that would just tell you that. Who's editing? A thought experiment in which Siskoid and his guests appoint themselves editors of a comic book line at DC Comics. But the joke's on them, because they can only use the characters of a specific issue of Who's Who, and in fact must use them. Great ideas? Yes, we think so. Cool reinventions? Of course. Crisis fatigue? We guarantee it. Who's editing? Now on its own feed, only at the Fire & Water Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But we start off, of course, with a little bit of a Franklin and Galactus again. Jumping back to them real quick in the... What was, it, what was this again? Like the period right before the universe ends, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Galactus is evidently dying, and Franklin's like, tell me more of the story. Oh, like no, no actually, wait, the other way around. Sorry, Galactus says, let me tell you more. Right. I like this little, new little wrinkle where he says, how do you know? Franklin says, I didn't realize you were paying that much attention to earth and he, and galactus says well i gleaned all this information from the watcher's planet and franklin said realizes oh you know you just re- you picked up this new trick that not only did you absorb worlds but you also learned information that they held so that that you know Obviously isn't something that I, I'm assuming he doesn't do in the present day Marvel Universe, but something he picked up along the way. This is a nice yeah. new little wrinkle. Yeah, considering Franklin says, yeah, that's a trick you picked up late in the game. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes him like a mix of what? Uh, Matter Eater Lad and uh, Rogue. <laughs> Just absorbs it, eats it all and gets all, by doing that absorbs everything. Does that mean if he had known that when he consumed the scroll planet, he wouldn't be able to shapeshift? Well, there is that that notion that every planet 
used to see Galactus in the form of whatever they were. Yeah, so I was going to say, does he even need to shapeshift? Right. But that's an interesting concept. I'm wondering if anyone's paying attention to this, if anyone's tried. I haven't read too much of this, anything new that would have Galactus, so... Like, I don't... I know I haven't read, like, the last one or two Fantastic Four runs, so Mm. I have no idea if they've added this in yet or not. Right. But we start off with basically the entire Phoenix saga. I guess, yeah, let's let's start off with the hot with the popular stuff. But we do the whole thing. And the way this again, it's half the thing about this the series is just the art and the way he composes all these pages. Right. I mean, this whole thing with the Phoenix in the middle and then Dark Phoenix in the middle and then showing all the different versions of it around. All her steps to becoming Phoenix. In many ways, he's taking it's a shorthand of the entire story, almost chapter by chapter, in a way. Yeah. And he does that quite a lot in this issue. And this is this has now become like issue one. It's become one of my favorite chapters in this miniseries because of the attention to detail. Uh, but, you know, and I'll talk more about that when we get to some other pages. But even in this one. You can see from the beginning of uh, the 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 way that Jean Grey's slow descent into Dark Phoenix and then, you know, the, the causes of it, what she does because of it, and then the ending of it. I mean, it's all here. Uh, it, it's a nice little, it's a collage, but it's also got a lot of storytelling, which I love. And it also, this and the next page, maybe, uh, maybe... Well, I mean, I realized this before, but I guess actually put it into cognitive thought. They're not doing this story 100% in order. It's not saying this happened, you know, this part happened, and then this was next, and then this person appeared, and then this storyline, and then this person. They're kind of just time frame. It's like, yeah, around the same time as the time for because the next page after Phoenix, we get the introduction of several late 70s characters, uh, Nova, Moon Knight, Captain Britain, Dazzler. The first Spider-Woman and uh, Carol Danvers in her Miss Marvel costume. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they actually all, ha- Phoenix happened first and then they appeared. It's kind of like, yeah, this is, they're around that time. So it's, right. it still doesn't exactly nail something down with an exact, you know, day and time. Right. It's just kind of like, it's around that time frame. Which I like. It still gives us a history, but it's not pigeonholing anything. Plus the Dark Phoenix saga, that's a, a, a strong opener. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's something that definitely put a comic for comic fans to kind of give them an idea of this is the era we're talking we're starting with. Right now, but did the, you did you like how you know one of the things we've been looking at, and it hasn't happened too often, but it, in a few places we've seen how this is the history of the Marvel universe, but they also have to pay attention to retcons, changes. Uh, in all, you know, I don't know how long it's, what, 60 years worth by this point. Yeah. Um, so when it gets to Ms. Marvel, it says, And Carol Danvers, child of a human father and an alien mother, began working under the name Ms. Marvel. And that was something that was only introduced, especially if you read the appendix to this issue, within yep. the last year or two years prior to this miniseries. Um, they keep most of the origin story the same with the weapon that infuses her with powers, but then they add in that wrinkle of, oh, by the way, her mom actually was Cree, so Carol Danvers is uh, half Cree. 
Yeah, that's right. That that Life of Captain Marvel miniseries mm-hmm. from yeah 2018 to 2019, and this series is 2019 is yeah covered in December 2019. So right. he must have been paying attention to make edits, pro- possibly up until the very end. Right, and it's like I said, it doesn't happen often. It's only in a few places. Um, that was one that, as I was reading it, uh, I, it jogged my memory, and I said, "Oh, that's that's new. That's obviously something that had to be, uh, you know, um, because most of the stuff that we've been reading, it feels like it's the the traditional origin or the first appearance, without having to pinpoint later." additional story bits, you know, but with her, that is such a strong thing now because they wanted to tie it in with the movie, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So. And yeah, I did notice that when I first read this issue, but then when I, once I read the append, the, that miniseries in the appendix, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's cause I didn't know when that happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that until after reading this and I looked through the appendix, but I read that miniseries. I'm like, Oh, okay. That explains it. And it's fine. Cause like, you know, like it says, it's the, uh, you know, her potential is unleashed by Kree technology. So, again, it's the way I like them to do a retcon a lot of times. It's not the, oh, that never happened. Right. It's, oh, yeah, that happened. It just didn't always, you know, it, it had more effects than you thought. It's kind of like when they re- retcon the, the Grey Hulk into actually still existing again. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that, that, that actually happened the way the comics were. That's all. He just stopped being, it was a different Hulk. You know, doesn't change anything in the original issues, which is great. And then we jump to another one of the uh, big uh, 70, late 70s stories, the Korvac saga. We go to the next page. We've got a couple panels of that with Korvac trying to kill, smash all the Avengers. I like the uh, imagery of using the Avengers as all like, all like images in glass. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's just smashing it all down. It's like it's because it was because it was that easy for him in that original story. I don't exactly. know if that's one you've read or not. No, I've actually never read that, uh, which is surprising, considering it's one of their big stories. Um, but that has, uh, it, it's certainly referenced a lot, and it has major ramifications later, but no, I haven't read that one yet. Okay, yeah. Plus, that's like what, that's one of the big stories that Marvell actually appears in, since he is listed officially as an honorary Avenger. Mm. And there's not that really that many stories with him in it, but this is one of them. And then, of course, we get the Thor versus the uh, one of the first times in the Mar- in the actual Marvel universe they use the Celestials with Thor fighting them. This is something them. that has been talked about since uh, what issue one, right? Where they yeah yeah the Sky Fathers held off one of the previous hosts, and that they would make a return a thousand a million years later. Yeah, but that's all again retcons. I mean, granted, those mm-hmm. are retcons that happened years before this miniseries came out. But that was all retcons. I think this might have been actually the first time we actually really get them, the Celestials, in the actual, you know, in a current story in Mar- in the Marvel Universe. Right. Thor 300. Uh, yeah, 300, right? Yeah. That was the kind of cool thing. It's kind of finally, it's fully establishing not just the Eternals, or you know, because I think that's before we really get Eternals showing up in actual Marvel issues either. Because we really don't get those for a little while. And, oh... You know, if this book came out in a couple, just in the last year, I think this would have pissed off a lot of people. We get an old, you know, She-Hulk gets a lot of this page. <laughs> which is, which is, you know, uh, I think deserved because like Spider-Woman, 
that kicks off a whole new thing for Marvel, right? Like the, you know, She-Hulk, Spider-Woman, all of these, even Ms. Marvel to a degree, all of these, uh, it's it's no different than introducing Batgirl to Batman and yeah. Supergirl to Superman, you know? So it's not exactly a legacy type thing, but it's so common to comics all the way back to, you know, Mary Marvel and Captain Marvel, you know? Yeah. So, so I think it's, it's these, that was one of the points as I was thinking about where this issue could fall. I said, okay, I'm assuming they're going to have to make some mention or at least give some proper, uh, you know, exposure to, oh, here we are. We're going to start all these characters that are secondary at the time to our lead features and and open up a whole new publishing thing. Hmm. Yeah. But it is a good it is. A good, it's still a good imagery of the uh, origin, too. I like that. Right. Again, I just love I keep saying I just love the way he designs these pages where he just uses the different shapes of how things are going and makes a panel in there. Right. So you just have the side of her standing there and because of her arms grabbing something, he's that interior part to put in the image of Bruce Banner, you know, giving her the blood transfusion. But it also shares page space with, uh, well, since she is an, Aven- you know, an Avenger a lot. Another big Avenger thing, is, you know, that would affect the Avengers, which is uh, Ye- the trial of Yellow Jacket. And I'm just curious, is this downplaying or is this him not making a spectacle of it where he writes where they have here uh let's see a nervous breakdown that caused him to lash out his wife janet right so the question I, is like is he downplaying what he did or is he just like okay we've done five billion there's been five billion stories about hank pym hitting her <laughs> i don't need to showcase that again and probably they want to move away from that as much as they can but it is part of Hank Pym's journey. So, yeah, you, you, you know, on some level, do you need it? Do you really need it within the history of the Marvel Universe? Are they, you know, is it because Hank Pym is such an integral part of the Marvel Universe? Like, why do they need to focus on that other? They've already done the Korvac saga. You know, do you need to do this part of the Avengers history? You know, what what's the reason why you want to keep it unless it's to show more of Hank Pym's journey um, leading to whatever would be coming down the road? Um, is it something that defines the era? Is that what they're going for? You know, it's it's a little bit of an oddity. You know, you can see her reflection in his eyes. Yeah. So certainly alluding to something, uh, you know, violent uh, or with violence. So yes. it's it's a little bit of an odd thing. Is it? It makes me wonder. Um, how does Marvel look at it, or how do comic readers look at it? Is it such a huge part of Avengers history because of the contra- controversy of it, or is it really that big of an Avengers moment? Um, or a Marvel history moment. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard to tell. I mean, I could be wrong. My guess is it might be more from the people itself, you know, people itself or their creators, because it seems like 
they keep going back to it, even though like I keep seeing stories about Henry Pym coming to terms, making like apologizing, trying to do better than what he was before, deal with his get therapy to deal with the issues he had that caused that. And then it's like, oh, we're going to go back to that again. Right. Because, I mean, Spider-Man slapped Mary Jane. During that whole clone saga. But because it's never really brought up again, it's just it's something that's left back in there. Now I remembered as much. Yeah. It was kind of ignored. And I, I think, uh, but maybe also the thing is, I think for at least for a lot of people, whether or not this is true or not, I'm not, you know, I'm listening, I'm not saying this definitely. I'm just saying, I think for a lot of people, you know, I think there's not much to, for them to Henry Pym other than that. <laughs> so like, well, what else are we going to write about? He's got that. Other than, you know, at least, you know, Spider-Man has a lot of other think facets that people can write about, so they fo- they can have a plenty of other things to focus on, but I feel like sometimes it seems like a lot of people are like, I don't know what else we're going to write about him. I guess we'll write about the fact that, you know, he, you know, he had his wife. I mean, yeah. come on, that ex- fully exemplified in the Ultimate Universe where that was really his defining characteristic. Yeah. He was abusive, especially in that first Ultimate series. But... I'm not the one working there, and I'm not also the one talk, you know, fully talking to all these creators working on this. So it's just <laughs> hypothesis or guesses. You know, I cannot say 100% if I'm correct or not. <laughs> but it just, you know, makes me think as I'm reading. You know, that's and that's one of the fun things about reading these things. It just makes you think about the different eras and the different stories and right how right. and why. And we get a nice little, which yeah, it comes back later. But yeah, you get a nice little little thing of just the fact of the oh yeah, the Inhumans moving to the moon. That's right. Over the blue area of the moon. I just we, find that. Funny. What's that? I said I just I find that whole thing funny. We're gonna go to the move the whole city to the moon. <laughs> I think it's interesting. That, yeah, I don't think it actually hit me the first time I read that issue of Fantastic Four, where where uh, you know they're dying of pollution and 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 they and eventually the notion is let's go let's well then let's get out of Earth's atmosphere. Um, uh, but the, the cultural significance for Marvel or the, or just the, the significance of the blue area of the moon, even though it's referenced in that fantastic four issue that number one, it's the, you know, the, the death site of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of stories that happen on the blue area of the moon, um, you know, take into account who actually created the blue area of the moon and that um the the inhumans are now settling there you know their their relationship with the kree and just the audacity that john byrne had of i'm gonna take this amazing kirby location and dump a a city on top of it (laughs) so uh, a kirby city kirby city true yeah one kirby city over another kirby city but um, I don't know. I don't know which I when I when I thought about it because of this issue, I was like, wait a minute. Do I really want to lose the blue area of the moon for the inhumans relocation? I mean, it's already happened. It's been almost 40 years, if not more. Yeah. And they're back that. anyway. Yeah. So uh, interesting, interesting little little Marvel factoid. It's just something I, I find amusing because it's just very comics. We're just going to move that whole city to the moon. All right, let's do it. 
It's not something you see much in like movies or TV shows, but comics, yeah, let's move this. Let's move that whole city. It works. <laughs> and okay, and now, oh, this is a nice little life and death page. We get the introduction of the new mutants and the death of Marvell. Mm-hmm. Now we're getting into this page and the next four or five pages. This is when I started reading Marvel. This is this is what I've been waiting for to see how they cover the, your era, my era. Yeah. So uh, all stoked. So did you read either of these graphic novels when they came out? I read Death of Captain Marvel, um, not when it initially came out, but but soon after. And okay. with the New Mutants, I didn't read the again, I didn't read the graphic novel but i jumped into their series around like issue 13 i guess you could say so if not necessarily the stories that introduce them just the concepts of them like you know as when i was reading marvel and it's funny because uh you know some of the characters we've already seen were already gone by the time i was reading marvel you know jessica drew spider woman was gone she was inactive ms marvel was gone she was binary by that point Mm -hmm. um nova didn't have a series moon knight didn't have a series his series had already wrapped up uh you know they were almost relegated to to guest stars and supporting characters um so it's interesting to to go through this marvel history and go okay well what's part of my marvel history reading and what isn't but so I knew of the death of Captain Marvel, I don't know, probably from letter columns or maybe vague references, I don't remember. But then once I got my hands on on the graphic novel, then I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. Okay, yeah. By the way, speaking of what you were saying, so going with those characters from that second page that you mentioned, which is right, they all their series have been canceled and Nova didn't have his powers anymore. Jessica Drew didn't have her really ever powers anymore. Ms. Marvel, like you said, was out as binary now. Moon Knight would get another series soon enough, but didn't. Captain Britain, of course, barely appeared in U.S. comics at that point. Mm-hmm. Dazzler. Dazzler was, was around. Yep. Yeah, Dazzler was the one. Yep. Out of all those, she's the one. The disco character created in the 80s, you know, showing how, like, oh, yeah, we're ready to jump on this trend as soon as the trend's almost over. <laughs> and she's the one that lasts the longest out of those. Or not lasts the longest, but at least, or, you know, lasts the latest. Right, right. She was still going when I was reading, uh, when I started reading Marvel. It's just kind of funny. I never thought about it that way, but looking at them all out there together, it's like, oh, yeah. Because she lasted almost up until it was time for her to join the X-Men. Mm-hmm. So, like, 1985. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get an introduction of uh, well, several characters, most mostly uh for the most part, I guess you can call them all, almost all legacy characters, with the exception of Elektra. Right. Because, I mean, I can consider Better A Bill kind of a legacy character. Oh, sure. Yeah. Again, this is, this. it's it's so funny that this is my Marvel. My Marvel, my Iron Man wasn't Tony Stark. It was James Rhodey. He had already mm-hmm. become Iron Man by the time uh, I started reading. And Thor was around, but then, yeah, there was this other guy who also looked like Thor, I was like, wait a minute, who's that? Captain Marvel was in Avengers, Monica Rambeau, she was in Avengers by the time I was reading. She was guest starring in Marvel Team Up. 
So that that really actually is my first Captain Marvel, even before Captain Marvel. Because he uh, he was already dead by the time. I mean, you read that, like you said, you read Death of Captain Marvel early on, but that was had already been out for a while, so he was already yeah. dead when you started. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she was still the Captain Marvel when I started reading. This is a great page. I love the way he has used their individual, like the body parts, and connected it from one panel to the other. You know, you got part mm-hmm. of Elektra, then you got part of Captain Marvel, and then James Rhodes, and then you have Sif. Um, even though you don't, you don't really see her. Uh, yeah, Jeff, this is a fantastic page. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cause, well, yeah, because it makes sense. Because, I mean, he found a good way to be able to show just that chest part of Iron Man, but still show us that it's Rhodes. Right. But, yeah, otherwise, if we did it that way, we would have just seen, like, Bittery Bill's arm. Yeah, yeah. So clever. And the size-wise, it actually fits better, fits more closely for Sif to Iron Man than... Because at the time, the Iron Man Mark armor wasn't really that bulky. It was very, almost like skin tight. Mm-hmm. It was very smooth, very sleek. So it fit better for Sif than uh, Bittery Bill. But yeah, no, this is another, um, oh God, the way he designs the page. Even though Elektra's laying down, you can still tell that Mar- Captain Marvel is standing up. Right. But yeah, because that is the death of Elektra. Yeah, and all these are changing up the characters now. But let's make new versions because we're getting rid of the old ones. Well, at least with Captain Marvel, they did. So so they make mention that early on her name was Captain Marvel, but then she becomes Spectrum. Uh, which code name do you actually prefer for her? Spectrum's fine. Um, I did like Captain... I mean, I, I'm used to her being Captain Marvel because she was originally, so I still kind of, def- as default, think of her as Captain Marvel. Right. And wasn't she also Photon at one part? Yes. At one point? Yeah. I think that's the name... I kind of like the best, but if, if if she can't be Captain Marvel, Photon sounds okay. Spectrum sounds too, it's like, well, that, you know, in Grand Stan Lee tradition, that is what her powers are. Yeah, she controls know. the spectrum, light spectrum. Right, so. yeah. But uh, it was interesting that they that they pointed that out. Yeah, but I like how they kind of skip over all the other ones. It's just like, yep, yeah, now she's Spectrum. And speaking of the grand tradition, uh, we have the first Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Another great page. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially all that whole thing. Just just the Secret Wars in a nutshell right here. Just everyone fighting everyone with Galactus in the background. Although, you know, they're not showing all the... He's not showing Iceman and Electro, and they're on all the figures I had, so where are they? <laughs> oh, they weren't. Iceman wasn't... Was no, I know. I'm just no, having yeah. fun because like half these Secret Wars action figures were not in Secret Wars. Yeah, because I noticed no. on the page, I don't think I can find Wasp anywhere, and Volcana isn't on this page. So there's one or two missing, uh, missing. Which yeah, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain. And there's a lot. So. Yeah, there was a lot, and he already does enough. That, you know, you can certainly forgive him. Yeah, not being able to have one or two people in there. But yeah, you're right. No, I don't see the Wasp or Volcana. Do I see Molecule Man? Oh, no, he is there. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. So I forgot he's right up there with yeah. Ultron. It's good. It's a good image because it might at first appear random. But if you know Secret Wars, like the way those of us who who either grew up with it or read it afterwards a bunch of times... 
this is highly uh, evocative of many covers, many battles, stuff that happens, again, just like that Dark Phoenix page, stuff that actually happens inside the story. It's not as random as it might appear initially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a very good just like kind of representation of the, of all 12 issues. Yes. Things that happen. Yes. You know? I mean, because that's really what he has to do. Boil all 12 issues down to, you know, one panel. Right. Two if you count Spider-Man. Uh, that's true, because we also have that little, I like that little side panel there. Like, oh, and this <laughs> happened too because of that. Spider-Man got a, uh, got a new costume, which happened to be an alien symbiote. I was surprised by the small little version. You know, you just get a little tiny little head, which in many ways, you could look at it a bunch of ways. That is exactly how it started. It was, He wasn't Venom right out of the gate. Yeah, it took a while. Yeah, and then when he was Venom, then that's when it then blew up. But I was kind of surprised that Venom is just a tiny little portion of that vertical panel. I, I do like that. It's, it's kind of, almost like kind of cute, funny the little head on the bottom. <laughs> like, hello! I want to eat your brain! Yay! <laughs> Just a little venom at the bottom. Uh, we got one of some of my, one of my favorite properties from the 80s now. We got the introduction of Power Pack. Such a good series. Such a fun oh, series. Yeah. That original one, yeah. Especially. Especially like the first 50 issues or so. But yeah, Power Pack. Well, yeah, we actually get the, a couple of, yeah, the mid-80s now. Introductions, Power Pack, West Coast Avengers, and Cloak and Dagger. West Coast was the one I really enjoyed for some odd reason. Maybe it was because I was there right from the beginning, the first four-issue miniseries, and then eventually the series. But just something about it, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Was it because of the 80s? Was it because of whatever? Just something. I, I do like Tigra. She is one of my favorite Marvel characters. I don't know why. But just the, the I was so in love with Marvel miniseries to begin with in the 80s because they all were so amazing. Yeah. Even if you read them now and they're too wordy or they don't make sense or they, they don't hold up at the time, it was like, oh, here's another one. Here's, you know, there's two of them on this page. Cloak and Dagger got a miniseries. Yes. West Coast Avengers started as a miniseries. Um. Yeah, so for me, the West Coast Avenger, when I saw it, I was like, oh, good. Yeah, I'm glad that they get a, a spotlight here. Yeah, and I'm, and I mean, for a while, there, Avengers West Coast, what, what, at the time, was Avengers West Coast. was a book I was enjoying more than regular Avengers, although it was a little different than what it was early on. And I'm just wondering for early on, because from what I, I haven't read the first, like, I read one or two issues of the, of the early run, but, like, the first 40 issues, I really only read, like, a few of them. Mm-hmm. But especially considering what I saw in like the miniseries, it was definitely had a different flavor than Avengers. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, it wasn't as far along as this other book, but it was definitely inching more towards early JLI. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, it was a little more about these are the people. Yeah, they're gonna fight super things, and we show them fighting. But this is also them hanging out, living together, and dealing with that. And you know, Wonder Man trying, you know, trying to act. <laughs> things like that it was you know the married couple trying you know hawkeye trying not to you know, either protect his wife or give her preferential treatment it's it felt like i mean it was not as far along as jli was even in the beginning but it felt like kind of like a bit on the road to it like it was a little mm. closer 
which may be something what reason why you might like that more than you know Avengers at the time. Maybe, yeah. Because it gave Avengers was very still. I mean, it was good, but it was I think it was like Roger Stern, but still was premier. You know, this was the book about the premier superhero team, and it was the premier superhero team for Marvel. You know, there was it was showing it. This was like a little more like ah yeah they're hanging out. It could just come down to I really liked Hawkeye's Sky Cycle too, and it could just come down to that. <laughs> I mean, especially the younger we are, the more easy. It's just like, oh, that's cool looking. I like yeah, that the best. I, I think it's great. Oh, and it, it's kind of, I'm realizing now as we're going through this, this book, we're actually switching more from individual story arcs that would happen in, like in books to events. Oh, definitely. This I mean, like Korvac, Dark Sea of Phoenix. Yeah, those were, you know, could be considered events, but those were in their own book only. Mm-hmm. But now we got Mutant Massacre. Mm-hmm. It says something about Marvel history, right? You know, not obviously we're not going to get as many. Oh, here's the first appearances and here's how the Marvels meet or here are the things that are the foundational blocks for Marvel. We're obviously at a point where, especially later on in this issue, where it is Marvel history is defined by their events. And that that's just a nat- that's the nature of comic book making, right? Especially as yeah. we hit the nineties. So Oh definitely. Yeah, cause, I mean I've skimmed through I mean I read them when they first came out, but I've re-skimmed them bef- you know in between our recordings. Mm-hmm. And looking at like the uh back matter part where they say read this, read this, mm-hmm. as you go further on to like five and six, it's almost all just event, event, event reading. Right, right. You know, where earlier on it was like read this one and this one and this one and this one. Now it's just like you know, read War of the Realms, one through seven. <laughs> I do love, uh, by the way, the center panel here for the Mutant Massacre with the X-Men as the Shadows to the Marauders. It has that same feel as the Dark Phoenix Saga page where there's a little bit of storytelling going on as well. The dead Mor- Morlock bodies, Thor with, with Angel. This whole, I mean, it's an event, but it was still... Uh, it still resonated in a big way. I mean, not only, okay, not only do you have the original X-Men back as X-Factor, which was a huge deal. Jean Grey was back. Mm-hmm. What happens to Archangel, becoming Archangel? That was, that was huge. Yes. You know, you everybody was like, did you see what, look at how cool that Walt Simonson artwork was on that cover of, you know, He's a horseman of the apocalypse. What? You know, back when events were, they were happening, but they still had a punch to them and, and some, and had some very lasting effects. I mean, he was Archangel for a very long time. After yes. That. Yeah. Oh yeah. For like what? 20, 30 years. Yeah. It was, it was a while. Yeah. I mean, and at the time, who would have thought Angel was the one that was become one of the most, you know, considered cool characters in yeah. the X-Men. <laughs> really? I mean, I still remember early on in my reading of books, I found, a, what was it called, the X-Men Chronicles, I think it was called, which was, like, interviews with all the all the creators and everything up until, like, it wasn't even, 200 wasn't even out yet, so it was, like, somewhere around 175, issue X-Men 175, so all, you know, all the creators, Louis Simons, you know, actually, at the time, it said Louise Jones, Mm-hmm. You know, Claremont, Byrne, Cockrum. And like at one point when I figured it was Claremont or Byrne called Angel, what are you going to do with him? He's an idiot that flies. 
And that's kind of how, like, most people, you know, didn't get to do much, really. Now he's, like, for, like, 20 years, throughout all the 90s, he's, like, the coolest one. <laughs> it probably helped for Massacre, especially to have lost, you know, to be good and have lasting repercussions, that it was very, even though it did take place in several titles, you don't have a lot of creators, like, you know, running this show. I mean, you have Claremont and si- Louis Simonson. And then Walt Simonson on the Thu Thor issues, but it kind of helps he's married to the other one of the other ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was very easy to kind of have probably for the three of them to map out everything that was happening. It's a and little it's harder a, now, I think, when you have like 80 titles coming out of it. It's a re- mutant massacre. You can almost say mutant massacre and then fall of the mutants. I mean, the two of those are major sea changes because... Yes. There's a very real pre-Mutant Massacre X-Men lineup and and theme and, you know, kind of focus. And then after Mutant Massacre and, and then and again, even Fall of the Mutants to a degree, it's it becomes a whole other thing. You know, the lineup changes, the creators, the artists changes. You, you get the addition of new books with with Excalibur, which we're coming up on, you know, so um in terms of importance, you can see why it gets a page like this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And speaking of getting its own whole page, well, it almost got a whole page. We get still one of, you know, we're still don't, not fully done with uh, event, you know, events or things that are considered events, but only really happening in one book. We get the uh, Avengers Under Siege story mm-hmm. as the Masters of Evil take over the mansion. And I just read, I've read parts of this, but I just recently read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, there's some brutal stuff in there. I love how they reference parts of it in the image with hide crushing. The shield. Cap's, Cap's original shield, one of the original shields. The the image of the photo torn in half by Captain America has, has importance in that story. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. But yeah, no, that was... That is that was I mean that was uh, what was I say that is definitely one of the things that definitely deserves the hype still I think sure sure I mean this was just an army attacking them I don't know if the Masters of Evil have ever gotten this big since I mean big as in numbers not big as in doing something because obviously you know we'll get that shortly after uh, the next issue after onslaught. With the, with the Master Evil doing something big, but big as in number-wise. There was the, uh, in that series that you're talking about, when they go when they go up against the Masters again, they, wasn't it something like 20, 30? Oh, you know, I, maybe. Yeah, it was, it, it was like they, Busick brought in everybody. <laughs> as much as I enjoy that run, that was getting at a point where it was harder for me to read. That would have been like, what, early 2000s, probably? Yeah. Yeah, uh, at the time. Late late 1990s because it started in 96 97. Yeah, so I would was, say like when you have yeah. when that story if you're if I'm thinking of right it's around issue 50 maybe or 40, so it'd be like two or three years later, it's so like 2000 2001. Because I'm thinking that might have been at the time I was working at this comic store and Wednesday was I got paid in credit. <laughs> Same amount I made for cash, but credit. So I was bringing home everything. So it was a lot harder for me to get back to reread stuff, especially stuff that came out at that time, because by the time I finished reading the jumbo stack I brought home, 
I had another jumbo stack or, you know, a bunch of trades or whatever collections because, you know, I had more than enough to buy everything I wanted. Between the golden age of Atlantis and the rise of recorded history, there were ages undreamed of. Hither came heroes and villains possessing swords and magic, whose deeds became tales and legends. I have come to relate these sagas. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Days of High Adventure, a new podcast discussing a variety of comics that fall into the fantasy or sword and sorcery genre. Available on most podcast services and Anchor FM. But you're right. I think I remember that happening. Okay. Okay. That's a bigger team. And we also get a little insert of Armor Wars, the first one. Which I have not read. Yep. I just read that. Because I tried to read some of these things before we did, just so I could give myself the context. Yeah, and that's where he fires the original Iron Man, so to speak. Because this was when Tony Stark was still had a, had a secret identity. No one knew he was Iron Man. Mm-hmm. So he's able to, quote-unquote, fire the guy, and the guy, quote-unquote, died. So that made it convenient for him to avoid any, you know, charges or prosecution for his actions. <laughs> I mean, you accept it because you're reading the book and you know what he's doing because you're following his actions. But yeah, looking at it from the outside, it's like, okay, yeah, that's very illegal. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's certainly familiar with the with the premise and and some of the the covers and some of the story beats. But I I didn't know, and I don't know how much is is embellishment on Mark Wade's point. But he says uh, with such savagery that Iron Man was branded an international outlaw and temporarily expelled from the Avengers. I didn't realize there was there were consequences to what was going on. Oh, yeah. Well, because one thing is he attacks the guardsmen who are the security guards oh, in the right. vault. Right. So he takes them down in the vault, and there are a couple of escapees as well because of that. And then he also goes to Russia. So he causes some international incidents. Mm, interesting. Piss Cap off, too. Oh, and we get a nice little... We actually get a double-page spread here. This is another great page. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah just everything from, like... This is kind of like 1989 to 90 altogether. Because you got, what? Yeah, Quasar, Excalibur, Inferno, and New <laughs> Warriors, and the Midnight Suns. And this is... close together. Yeah, this is right where I was out of comics by this. Or I was, yeah... I had like a couple years where I was um, just out of comics for a little bit, you know, two, three years. And all of this is right in that space where I was like, oh, I had no idea any of this was going on. I certainly learned about it after I got back into comics in the early 90s, but um, I missed all of this stuff. Oh, and this is my intro because it was... The very end of Fall of the Mutants was my beginning of buying stuff. Okay. Yeah, because it was like, you know, the first ones I bought that I actually was buying new when I went to, when I realized I can buy these things new was Power Pack 33 and then X-Men 227. Mm. And then 
the other Xbox. And then, you know, you know how that goes. You go from one to another to another and it just kind of sucks you all in down that little rabbit hole. Right, right. (laughs) Who's the old man at the bottom of Quasar's? That's his dad. That's his dad. Okay. Yeah. Because his dad was a decent, it was a fairly big supporting character in the first like year and a half of the book. Okay. And actually became friends of Eon. It's in fact, interesting. Yeah, they hung out. They hung out, and Quasar was like, got jealous of it. <laughs> I remember that was music. <laughs> it was interesting in the in the appendix that they refer to his Wendell Vaughn's early experiences as Marvel Man, not as Marvel Boy. And I wondered if that was because right here with the New Warriors, there is a new Marvel Boy. Hmm. Did they you not know, want to have like a confusion or, you know, because he first appears as like in Fantastic Four as I don't know what his name is, Crusader or. or well, that, that's, a, that's a different guy. Oh, that's a different guy. OK. Yeah. So was he Marvel Man or was he Marvel Boy when he first appeared? I think he was Marvel Man. OK. Because I don't remember it being. A, I don't, yeah, because Marvel Boy was the 50s version. Maybe that's where where the. uh the one who's in Agents of Atlas. Right. Maybe that's what the. the. Well, their costume was almost identical, too, so that didn't help. Yeah. I mean, they could have just said, oh, yeah, it's the same guy. And no one would have known. But, yeah, these are all books I was buying early on. And some of them, like Excalibur and the Ghost Rider and New Warriors, I, I was reading them from the you know first issue. Cool. I know that news. That New Warriors is like. There are a lot of people who who really uh, I read I have the first trade of it, but um, I know when you talk to people, you know, when did you get in the comics? What was your a lot of people are like New Warriors. That was my jam. New Warriors. That was my thing, you know. Oh, yeah. For like those first like three or four years, I was buying that, you know, every month I was in on that series. So I, I'm always still I'm always still excited when I see any of them show up. You know, you show you you Nimarita and Firestarter in a book, and I'm like, ooh, cool. <laughs> and like you said, yeah, the creation of Excalibur, and I do love how they he has like the you know some of the main characters from each one, and then everyone else kind of like flows out of them. You know, with Excalibur flying through Captain Britain's body, or the New Warriors through the blackness of Night Thrasher's costume. God, I wonder how much this double spread spread would cost. That's a pretty good one. I mean, if someone's like you said, if this is when you were reading Marvel, that's that's like okay, yeah, this is. yeah, all the big stuff, Midnight Suns, Inferno. Yeah. By the way, I'm looking at Captain America 217, and they do call him Marvel Boy. Oh, okay. So I guess the I don't know maybe, maybe that's that. a later retcon or something to to, to differentiate, or maybe he just doesn't want to be uh, associated with that older one, older 1950s version. So maybe he changes his name later. Yeah, I forget that. I mean, I read those ones, but I don't remember right now. Oh, <laughs> flip the page. And I love how they, the background for the night is like very 90s-esque. Oh, it's right from, it's right from X-Force 1. The background? I, yep, I did a, because I, I said there's really? no way. Yeah, I said that's. It can't be an accident, not not from Javier Rodriguez or or like, why would you make such a strong choice like that? And when you flip through, you know, because everybody has X-Force one in their collection or they, you know, mostly everybody. I don't want to admit how many of them I have. Exactly. I bought two of each card. 
<laughs> so I open it up and there's one shot of strife and he's in front of a whole bunch of TV screens. That's very evocative of that. So I, I thought that was it. But then you turn the page and there is a group shot of these characters. And that background is straight from that page. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's be- it is. It, it, like I said, it looks like it's an accident or you're like, why that kind of background? You know, is that just to exemplify the whole mutant genesis, the craziness of Liefeld's art, the, the oh, craziness was, of the 90s? That's what I was thinking. Like, it's the whole, you know, 90s. I mean, you remember, you know, day, everything was like the day glow and these huge colors and, you know, slap your shirt and the cha- color changes. You remember nope. all those things? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So I kind of thought it was just like to you know like yeah this is the night no this is 91 check it out but you're it's even better <laughs> i love that oh it's it's there were no backgrounds it was more let's just put them up i mean there were backgrounds but you know what i mean like it, it the background yeah. wasn't the important thing so you either splashed color or you left it white or you just had some kind of cool looking design you know that just to to pop the image forward you know it didn't have to make sense just you know slap a color scheme back there but no it is not a random image it just goes to show again like we haven't said it enough how cool javier rodriguez is that he went back to x-force number one and said oh well i gotta do that yeah you're right i'm looking through one and i'm oh yeah that's this i see what you're talking about with strife looking all the all the screens Keep going a couple pages and you'll see the group shot I'm talking about. And you'll see it's it's. Oh, yeah. That day glow color or that, you know, just the little squares and rectangles. It's all there. Right. Oh, damn. Because it even happens earlier on. There's like one page where it's all just like uh, like there's like a couple different variations of purple and pink, you know, straight lines mm-hmm. behind Shatterstar. And there's another one. It's like, yeah, there's smaller ones. And then there's like some green line, just like green blocks. Yep. Oh, that's even better than oh, that's even better. So that makes that page amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. I so appreciate that. That is so awesome. Because <laughs> I don't is think they I... have X Force One in here. Is the is like their back matter. So I didn't read that one. Reread that. I read they you know what they had their X Force instruction of X Force, the Kings of Pain annuals. Oh right. If you remember that story, the new warriors, you know, new mutants, new warrior, X Factor, and the X Men, but it wasn't even the X Men; it was the the people living on you know, on your island. So, Moira Taggart and super strong Polaris and mm-hmm. Legion. This is this is me getting back into Marvel with the whole mutant Genesis and uh, you know all the various. Um, it, it it was I was surprised that they didn't include other i mean they they kind of skip over i don't know if it's major parts of x-men history but certainly like okay so they went to mute massacre but and they they reference when the x-men were killed and brought back i think in the appendix um but you don't get the major shift in the like you don't get the new x factor team or the the yeah the explosion of the x men into blue and gold and um 
you know, certainly if you're going to try to pick one that is meant to be the main representative, I guess X-Force is the obvious answer. But probably plus it probably is cable which is a pro which would be one of the you know a new prominent x character sure right i mean everyone else kind of had existing characters still yeah yeah outside of bishop like you could make an argument that maybe bishop because he was he was such a major yeah no bishop true he he was the only other new one but he wasn't there from the beginning and he also wasn't the one that had like a series that lasted until like over 100 issues so i loved learning this in the in the appendix about cable i'm not sure i've ever heard anybody say it to this level it might be out there but where they say that his name is a metaphor for his being a link between times a cable between the future and the past i was like oh okay i'll buy that i don't know if that's rob liefeld's initial thought intention yeah if it was cool if it wasn't that's okay too yeah um yeah i like that i buy it I mean, it may or may not. I mean, I don't know if he would have thought of him from the future. I mean, he might not have thought of him as being, you know, Cyclops' son. But, yeah, he could have thought of him being from the future. So that's possible. It's also possible because a lot of Lifehouse characters have, you know, one one word, you know, short one word names. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking of like the members of, of uh, Youngblood. You know, there's Combat and Photon and Vogue. Shaft. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Cable kind of fits right in there. Domino. Yeah, funnily enough, Shatterstar is the one that kind of seems a bit of an outlier for him. Mm. But anyway, yeah, we got a full X-Force page along with uh, Deadpool. The only version of Deadpool that I actually enjoyed reading. Which one? one? His early X-Force appearances, the two four-issue miniseries, one of them, the second one that Mark Wade wrote, the first one that uh, Fabian Nicieza wrote, about like that, that early... He he wasn't so diluted. He wasn't in every comic. Um, his oh, humor, yeah. he had humor, but it wasn't necessarily the only thing that people focused on. And uh, I really enjoy. I, I um, those were the years that I really enjoyed Daredevil. And the only time after that that I really enjoyed was when he was in Rick Remender's first Uncanny, Uncanny X Force. Yes. I did that, like him there. He was really great in that series. Yeah, I didn't read most of the, like those original miniseries because I really didn't care for Deadpool at the time. Mm-hmm. I happened to pick up though I forget why uh, some of the early issues of his first ongoing, the Joe Kelly issues, and I really enjoyed that I, that run. I liked a lot. The Joe Kelly run. Oh, I haven't read that one. Yeah, because I mean, again, it's still now whether the humor and stuff and the way they do that is still to your liking or not i don't know since i really haven't gone back and read those earlier stuff but it still was when he was he was still more like a fringe character you know kind of popular but he wasn't as he wasn't like you know like you said he's not appearing everywhere yeah i mean he was he was cool and very much like punisher he wasn't diluted like you actually thought he could be a threat like you didn't know which way they even say it in the appendix. You don't always know which way his, his allegiance always goes. So, you know, to me, the character has become something different 
And that's just because of, you know, he's been around for how many years, which yeah. that, that's fine. But I just feel like that's the only thing they focus on now is that he's a a fourth wall breaking character. He's meant to be meta. He, he knows he's they even say in the appendix. He knows he's a phys, fictional character, you know, like, yeah, OK, I don't want him to be to to be. If he's going to be Bugs Bunny, let him be the Bugs Bunny from the early cartoons that are actually funny, not the <laughs> later, not the later ones where he's just just too zany and and you know whatever. So anyway, that's yeah. that's just my little Daredevil rant. <laughs> that's fine. I mean Deadpool. Deadpool. I don't. Yeah. I can't even know the name of the character. <laughs> uh, the martial arts guy wearing all red. Yeah. That guy, right? Oh, and well, this next page is definitely made for me. Maybe this is what I should look for because we got the infin- oh, the whole Infinity Gauntlet story. Mm-hmm. Just about the whole in- Infinity in- trilogy in, in yeah. some ways, yeah. Yeah, at least definitely Infinity Gauntlet, Infinity War, because we got the Magus here, but we got the whole. And again, we get the whole. Him, he likes. A, he, I like his symmetry. You know, like the whole symmetry of the, with the uh, panels of death, mm. where it has the, the human face and the skull face. Right. And yeah, it's it's very good, and it has all the players one way or another, and it's a little bit of an homage to George Perez with the fist, with the gauntlet, mm-hmm. like one of the covers, the the very first Infinity Gauntlet cover. Yeah, it's that's a really good page. Oh yeah, and you're right. Yeah, it has all the players in some way, shape, or form. The major players are the you know the huge panels, but then we get that little panel insert with like everyone's face in there who did participate. Because a lot the, of people are dead, including all the X Men. The ending, even the ending. Oh, yeah, with the Scarecrow. Yeah. And Thanos quitting. For now. And then speaking of space, because, yeah, I didn't realize how much they were dealing with cosmic stuff at the time there. We go from Infinity Gauntlet to Galactic Storm. This is where I wrote in my notes what you said earlier, that we have completely moved from personal moments in marvel history and and character development like you know you might have the first appearance of spider-man but then you have the character development of like i don't know gwen stacy dying or something like that you know now it's like oh it's no longer (laughs) uh isolated to one character one team it's like yeah now it truly is the entire marvel universe the history of the marvel universe event by event because underneath it, we have uh, basically Executioner Song. Yeah. yeah. And you can also see how the history, Marvel's history evolved from, I mean, there was an exce- always going to be an exception or two. Like earlier on, we had, you know, Secret Wars first on. But you go, like I said, from personal, you know, events in just, just one title to now we have these events, but they're taking place in just a couple titles. Mute Massacre, Fall of the Mutants had a couple. Um you know, especially uh, what's it called? These two had very specific events of where to follow it. You know, they're all numbered. Right. Same thing. But you only have to read those titles. And eventually we're going to get to the whole. Now we have this main title where you have eight issues and then we're going to have the spinoffs of that. Right. Certainly. Least, Infinity Gauntlet is that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have come because we have coming up also. We're going to have the uh, and if you flip the page, we get to all the Spider-Man stuff. Mm-hmm. And these are the ones like Maximum Carnage, which has the Maximum Carnage Alpha and Omega with all the story in between. 
And I've never read more than the first Maximum Carnage Part 1. No, never read any of it. I, I was not a big Spider-Man reader. Once I was done with... Uh, once he once he found out that the suit was a, a symbiote, like I guess around like Web of Spider-Man number one, mm. you know, where he, where he actually battles the suits and, and um, before Venom. Um, that was the last time I read Spider-Man until until they restarted him after Heroes Reborn. Like I didn't read that. There, there's like, oh, wow. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, I was reading in the middle. I started right around. Um, what was it called? Well, actually, I started. Actually, I, my tastes are weird. Apparently, I started reading Spectacular and Web of Spider-Man with because I read the Inferno crossovers, and I started reading with those. Amazing Spider-Man. I started reading during Acts of Vengeance. So the McFarlane stuff did not grab me. Hmm. I started picking up Thurman Larson, basically, you know, the very end of McFarlane's run, the beginning of Larson's. Right. Because I was reading all of that X of Vengeance when he got, that's when he got all the cosmic powers. And he was, you know, he had the cosmic, he had the Captain Universe powers briefly. Yeah. But yeah, I, I stopped reading different, you know, because there were so many Spider Man titles, because then you had the, the McFarlane Spider Man number one. But yeah, oh, I, I did, stopped reading. Yeah, all I did read that. I forgot about that. Yeah, I guess there are some like a torment, the yeah. assass- assassination plot, uh, Craven's last stand. I did read a bunch of those. Yeah, but yeah, but the uh, I kind of threw out the different titles, started dropping the Spider-Man stuff. So by the time we got to this point, I was done with Spider-Man for at least that time period. Yeah, I don't think I came back till you know sometime. I don't know sometime after. Yeah, after after the Clone Saga ended. Mm. Definitely, I think was, yeah. There was a time period I remember. Paul Jenkins was writing the and uh, Mark mm-hmm. Buckingham was doing uh, the Peter Parker Spider-Man title. I know I was buying that. Yep, because that run I really like. But yeah, we get the. Uh, <laughs> I like to have the brief insert. You almost miss it here. Oh yeah, there's a wedding of Cyclops and Jean Grey. <laughs> and I almost thought that was a Spider-Man thing initially. Even looking at it now, because it's a bike guy with like you know. That kind of comb dark, you know, dark hair and, you know, a redhead. It's very interesting that they don't have his wedding because technically didn't happen anymore. It didn't happen anymore. Right. That was a little bit jarring because I thought the same thing. You know, he gets he gets some major pages here because he go we go from one Spider-Man event to another. Um, uh, so I, I assumed the same thing. I just thought, oh, that must be MJ. But then when you look, you're like, oh, wait, no, that's Gene. OK, that's good, yeah. you know, because that's a major moment in their life. OK. And then I was like, wait a minute, we missed Spider-Man, Peter and MJ. Oh, wait a minute. That's because it doesn't exist. Yeah, because that should be happening somewhere around the same page, really, as like the Power Pack. West Coast Avengers Cloak and Dagger. Right. 1987, I think. Because I think it's before Mutant Massacre. So it should be around that. But, yeah. So Marvel really doubling down that they never were married. Nope, 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 nope. And, of course, speaking of doubling down, we have the Clone Saga. With Marvel, you know, constantly doubling down on how long it was going to take. No, no, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. (laughs) No, double, double it, double it. It's been going for a year and a half. Let's do another year and a half. 
I do like how like everyone, like especially the four main characters that are standing, you know, the giants standing there, they just all look so confused. <laughs> like, what is going on? I'm gonna make a a bold, uh, um, unsubstantiated comment here <laughs> that has no. I don't have evidence to support it, but this might might just be my favorite page of the entire series so far. It, just because, you know, just because you might think the story is horrible or not does not mean that Rodriguez could not have designed and thought of a brilliant page to show it. It's so good. I mean, oh God, you're you know, like like you mentioned, the four of them with their backs to each other, everybody looking confused and shocked. But it has just it's it's everything we said about like the Dark Phoenix page, the Secret Wars page. There, the it, it feels like every chapter is here, including the death of Aunt May. I was gonna say they're right there in the hospitals, Aunt May, and yeah, and everyone involved. Like for the most part, you got a lot of the major players running around. You got all the villains. You got the new warriors over here. You got it's a comment on Marvel's ninety because you got Daredevil and his black armor uniform you got norman osborne but you don't quite see him right yeah and there's a little green goblin like right there too yeah the the two characters standing on the hospital i can't remember what their names are but uh judas i i, I mean i did oh, read some right. bits and pieces judas, judas traveler, traveler and yeah. i forget scryer maybe okay yep that's who that is this would make an amazing collection cover if they wanted to do like a special collection for God, yes. Uh, clone. This really is like I, I, I'm I was f really floored when I saw this page. I just I was just looking at every little bit. And, you know, if there's a again, I don't know if he does traditional art or digital art, but I mean, this would be a Spider-Man's dream to own this Spider-Man's fan dream to own this page because it's so perfect. Yeah, there's something almost like Chris Ware about it. There's, 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 it's, it's really good. I mean, quite frankly, your, your comment made me realize it's like, why is Marvel not just say to him, how many covers can you do in a month? Great. Do covers. Well, he does those, those Omnibuy covers for like 1963 and 19, yes. you know, I do yeah. want to get, I want to get those too. And that's half part of the reason is his covers. Yeah. He's and so also, I like the, about it. And also I like that history of like, you know, here's every Marvel comic that came out the same month as Fantastic Four one. Mm -hmm. I want to get those too. Plus, they're decently cheap on like in stock trades. I think something like under fifty. But yeah, no, I know he does those. But like, he should they should just be paying him to do more covers each month. Yeah, this is this is truly truly. Like I said, I, I'd have to go back and look, but this is definitely in this issue. This is probably my favorite page. I can see why, but there's a lot of this one has a lot of really good pages. Oh, even the next one is is really good. Oh yeah, the and it's kind of funny. This is like the other kind of uh, X Men time period, right? You know, we got a couple of jumps because this is the introduction of Generation X, as well as shortly after it also the with Age of Apocalypse. Ah, oh, love that event. That brought me back into X Men. I had been gone for a while, and I. Pick that one up. I was, yep. I was, I was there. So I, you know, you know, you get to, you get to. Well, first of all, the failings coming in that introduced Generation X. 
that book was so amazing for the first like 25 issues yeah you know? and i uh, will say i did read that the uh, x-men and uncanny x-men four part that introduced generation x mm-hmm. and that was good i did like yeah. that yeah that's that that's the phalanx covenant storyline and they have all those you know hologram covers and um the and then but then you get to this like what is this age of apocalypse they're gonna stop producing the books for four months and you're just going to be read what what's going on and you know now they do that well dc is doing that right now sort of with night oh yes <laughs> you know but they did do it with like convergence and they should have done it with flashpoint um Me, you know, like that one especially i think that that one the most they should have yeah but at the time age of apocalypse wow so so good and you said you got into the X-Men. I, like I said, I was reading them by this point. But coming out of Age of Apocalypse, I really was reading every X title I could get. Yeah, yeah. They brought me back into them all for a while. Some yeah. longer than others, but yeah. Sure. It was a good time to be an X-Men reader, an expensive time to be an X-Men reader. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, I, I think uh, yeah, X-Factor, I think, kind of didn't keep me as much. Which is funny, because it was one I enjoyed a lot beforehand. But... I know Excalibur I kept reading, and definitely uh, X-Force actually kept me going, kept me interested for a while. Mm-hmm. They did some cool stuff there. And then we end up, end off with one more crossover, Onslaught. A much cooler image of Onslaught than probably appeared in, in probably ever appeared in any of the actual issues. <laughs> I got a very strong crisis, everybody versus the Anti-Monitor on this. Uh, oh, gee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. This is very, uh, yeah, it feels like issue 12 cover. Because mm-hmm. isn't it the same thing, too? They're all coming down on the mon- anti-monitor. He's standing there below. Right, right. I think I think there's an image like this in one of the Onslaught one-shots, because I, I, I just read all of it, you know, like in, over the last two years, So I, but I don't remember. Um, but it certainly makes sense, too, because... You know, we open this issue with Franklin and we end this issue with Franklin and, and yeah. it's and it is partly his story. So that's well, true. And speaking of what you said, like just two pages before with, with the Spider-Man page, you're saying it's showing like the way it looked at the time. You yeah. know, like the Daredevil in that costume and you got Firestar had her new costume even and things like that. And then going here, looking at them, this is also like the changes that had happened by like a few years later. Yeah. Because, I mean, so many of these characters look like if someone had never read comics before, like, let's say 2005. And you show them there, like, OK, look for Wolverine. <laughs> they know? wouldn't they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know that that's the guy. Right. I mean, they would you could see the claws. But, you know, why is he looking bulky? Why is he looking? Yeah, he almost looks exactly. like a wrestler. Exactly. Uh, OK, where's Thor? I don't know, but I see Kazar. No, that's not Kazar. That's Thor. <laughs> Because I first, I first I was like, was Kazar in this? I'm like, oh no, that's right. That Thor was just shirtless at the time. Yeah, that Mike Diodato shirtless Scarlet Witch looks different. Exactly. That was my Sue, next. That was my next thought. Sue Storm. Well, yeah, they all had that very stylized Thor at the time. Mid '90s look. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely improvement. I think over the costume Sue had before that. Or, which was, you know, the like the 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 like the uh, cutout bikini oh, or something, right? right. <laughs> with the you know the the, the foreigner chest. I did have to laugh. The the caption here, uh, 
onslaught a being of pure psychic energy who wanted to bring about the end of independent thought by bonding all humanity into a single collective intelligence. And I read that and I went, wait, that's what he wanted to do? <laughs> I, I just read that event. Is that is that is that what he wanted to do? I don't remember. I don't even remember. You know, because that, that wasn't the point, right? Like, the point was just this crazy villain who was, you know, and sentinels were all over the place and people were, it, 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 sure, I'm sure that is what he wanted to do. But as I was reading it, it, it really yeah. was a, an event for event sake, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah. It, it was bombastic. It was huge. It was an excuse to get rid of those characters that we had to get rid of for, you know, heroes uh, reborn. Right. And it was also a way to tie up some of those X-Men, you know, uh, plot lines, like who the traitor was. Right. From Bishop's future. And was it Gambit or not? And also because they, I don't really know if they knew what they were doing from the beginning because they started off, like, I remember that first issue of, uh, was it Uncanny X-Men after uh, Age of Apocalypse where you it's just juggernaut getting just one-punched yeah. <laughs> you know, across a country by Onslaught. Right. I mean, I mean, maybe maybe it was a maybe it was a intention because I mean Wade did do some of those issues because he oh, was sure. writing X Men briefly. Sure, sure. But I mean, like you know, that's what's great about this. If you if you have to distill that event down to one sentence, that's a pretty good sentence. But when you read it, I'm not exactly. We're also talking about same thing with maybe not so much Maximum Carnage, but certainly with Clone War, uh, Clone Saga, and Onslaught. These events and Marvel were incredibly editorial editorially driven so stories might have started with like okay we're gonna go a b and c but then by midway it goes oh we gotta jump we gotta we gotta pivot we gotta do something different um you know that was a that was a big thing with like the clone saga where they were like yes here's what we wanted to do and then because it became popular they decided to extend it and keep it going and things changed and creators left and you know, Onslaught was also sort of the same way. Like what they originally planned for Xavier isn't quite exactly how it turned out, um, where they really did want to make him a bad guy. But then they were like, no, we can't do that. So that's why they bring in the whole Magneto uh, dark part of it, you know. So there was obviously some editorial things in that as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. You you can see, I mean, like I said before, you can see like with Mute Massacre where it was probably just Claremont and Louis Simonson talking. And so therefore they knew what they were doing. You know, and then she probably went home and said, and Walt, Walt was like, OK, so what's going on? I'm going to do two, I'll do two issues. Right. You know, but it's very easy to do to determine how it's working and what's happening. And in this one, like you said, yeah, very editorial driven. Who knows what how what how instructions were, you know, Distill to different writers of like twenty different series, what independent how how much independence they had on that. So how does how well do the things you know match up? Because mm -hmm. I'm thinking of like there's just like panels and like massacre where like one thing happens in one panel in X Factor and there's a repercussion in X in X Men. Where I still remember this part where like Cyclops blasts down a corridor one part of X Factor and then in X Men it almost hits Wolverine and Storm. Like two, like a half a mile away, and it's like one of the first times he realizes that Gene's a lot. He smells Gene. Right. Oh, right, right, right. But now here, it's just like, yeah, the Sentinels are attacking all over. Okay, good enough for us. 
But, I mean, editorially, Marvel was getting a little weird and crazy in the mid, mid to late 90s anyway. I'm trying to remember if this was before or after they kind of set up all their own editorial fiefdoms. You know, like, these are the Spider-Man yeah. titles, and here's the on-the-edge titles. Yeah, I think that's, like, if it wasn't still going on, it it, it had wrapped up. Because I know, like, all the, yeah, like, the Midnight Suns was all part of something. and Yeah, and there was the X books and the hero, you know, the Avengers-type books. And then I remember it was right. one called, like, the On the Edge, because that was, like, the ones who didn't really have, like, a <laughs> anything linked. Like, I think it was, like, Punisher was one of them and Hulk. Because there was really nothing like to link them, so it was like you got you just get all these guys. Yeah. And I I didn't I mean maybe I guess this probably was public knowledge, but I mean I didn't know about this until uh, hearing was it uh, Crazy Comics Corey Strode's podcast mm-hmm. hearing a episode recently where basically it was kind of like a test of whoever whatever editor's book sold the best will become editor in chief. Oh, and shortly after that, Bob Harris became editor in chief because he had the X Men books. <laughs> That also makes me wonder, I mean, because Onslaught went through different ones, so I'm like, unless he was editor-in-chief already, if he wasn't, what's he telling other editors? Like, is is he giving them all full info? I mean, I know nothing about Bob Harris, so I don't know whether good or bad, but you know what I mean? Like, is he giving all full info, or is he kind of, like, leaving a few things out? So maybe, you know, people were a little disappointed in some of these other crossovers and don't read them. Right. Yeah, I'm just saying it's possible. I have no idea. For all I know, he is... The most honest of men and would never do that. <laughs> I have no idea. I would at least think about it. I'm not saying I would do it, but damn, it would cross my mind. <laughs> it's now time to cover our feedback, and this time this is feedback for episode 181, Lifeguards of the Galaxy, which was part four of our missing episodes, with The Buck, my brother Joe, and Brian Zeno. On Facebook, the post about that episode was liked and shared by Joe Sedano and Ruth Sutherland. On Twitter, it got likes and retweets from Alan Sharp, Capes and Lunatics Podcast Network, JohnReadsComics.com, Chris Lydon, and Into the Night. And on Blue Sky, it was reposted by Comics Over Time. Now, if you want to hear more from me, you can hear me pretty much every week on the LEG IOM POD cast. You can find that on Legion Substitute Podcasters feed, links in the show notes. And on that show, we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC Comics sci-fi series, Legion. That is the one that's spelled out as an acronym, not Legion of Superheroes. And in fact, at this point, we are done covering Legion, and we are almost done covering the spinoff Rebels from 2008. Also, I did a guest spot recently on the Magazines and Monsters feed, links in the show notes as well. Under the heading of Bronze Age of Horror, we talked about two issues of Werewolf by Night from the 70s, issue 20 and 21. So you want to hear Billy and me talk about that? Go follow that link. All right. Do you have anything you want to say about this or any episode before? Do you want, or do you just want to hear your name said here? Well, this is your chance. Send me an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Go to our page on Facebook and like and share the post about the episodes. Just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box and it'll come up. On Twitter, we are at AdamThanosPod. And on Blue Sky, we are at AdamThanosPod.bsky.social. And now, before we go back to the ending with me and more of Peter Rios... Just want to let you know, this show is part of The Collective. The Collective was started by a few like-minded podcasters who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances, and you're going to hear a promo for one of the other Collective shows right now. (laughs) 
Hi, this is Chris. And this is Brian. And we are the hosts of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and other podcast apps for all your Ghost Rider needs. Right on. But yeah, so that's the end of this chapter of history, basically up to like 96. Yeah. Almost 20 years, about 20 years here. It's interesting that it, 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 I think with this issue, I think it took longer to read the appendix than it did to read the main story (laughs) and, or the annotations, I should say. And it's like, I sometimes wonder why they're going so hard in the annotations like why are they basically retelling what they just did with obviously more information it's like did they can they not make up their mind uh is it because they knew that javier rodriguez could only draw so many pages per issue but they still wanted it to be an oversized book like i didn't learn too much more than what i had already gotten from the first thing it's cool to see all the other images from the actual comics but it's like, wow, they're it, really going hard on these annotations. Oh, yeah. It's almost like they're trying to do, like, give you both styles of the history. Yeah. You get this kind of story one, you know, the story-based one, which is also mostly, you know, it's mostly the art, you know, art showing us and kind of giving us general, like, this, you know, these things happened here. But then if you're more of a hardcore, I need to know the issue and the, like, this is for those people who just want, like, the actual stats. Right. It's like, if you just want to know exactly, like, better a bill here, Thor 337 to 340. But even with the narrative, like, it's narrated. Like, it's it's not just even the listing of the issues there. You know, like, when they get to the Jean Grey, Scott Summers wedding, you know, they first met here after years of happiness and trials that strange their relationship. The two were finally able to tie the knot, surrounded by friends and family. And then they say, oh, by the way, it occurred in X-Men 30. Like, oh, couldn't you just say... The wedding of no, that's not what they want to do. They want to no, true. flesh it out a little bit. It's, it's really kind of funny. I appreciate it. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm here for it. Um, but as I was reading it, I read the main chapter one day, and then because I knew the appendix was going to be long. Oh yeah. Then, then I read the annotations, and I was like, man, this is almost longer than reading the initial story. Yeah, because it's all just you know text for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the page that has Infinity Gauntlet and uh, Galactic Storm and Extinction Agenda. And yeah, that's like three. That's the majority of that is just text. Yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of reading there. So where do you think next issue will end? Uh, yeah, it's been a while since I skimmed through that one. Oh, so you're, starting, that's right. You already did. Yeah. I skimmed it, but it's been a while. I don't recall. So... Because I'll tell you if I if I if I read it last week and remembered exactly, but I don't yeah. remember exactly. I mean, obviously we're going to start with Heroes Are Born most likely, or actually, yeah, Heroes Are Born or Heroes Return, you know, one of those. Yeah, Heroes Are Born and Thunderbolts, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, From the next issue blurb, obviously we're going to get Planet Hulk, so we're talking mid two thousands. Yeah, so we're probably. I think it's going to end somewhere near there, because they're going to have something to have for six. Right. And since it's 2019, they can't go, you know, we're ending up 96. They can't do 20 years. 
Right. Because otherwise that brings them right to like a year before, unless they want to really, unless they're really going to emphasize everything then everything that just happened the year or two before. Yeah. And give that all like, you know, every single storyline that's on page. So probably I mean, around 2010. It's going to be. Secret Invasion. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be all event driven. It, it, I can't imagine. Oh, yeah. Other than like maybe oh here's a page with like Century or new characters that might you know Ms Marvel and you know the Young Avengers but then after that it's like oh yeah Civil War Planet Hulk Avengers versus X Men uh, Age of Ultron uh, seek another Secret Wars you know like uh, for the next two issues so I wondered if maybe they would stop the next one like like you said maybe 2010 like i thought maybe do they go up to like marvel now like not, not that they would reference that because that was a thematic thing but yeah that that seems to be where marvel really that was like a new starting point for marvel so and then yeah, maybe issue was, six is about that but which one was marvel now was that the one after uh, siege marvel now was oh that i don't remember was it after Siege? Maybe, maybe. Because I know that was like a. I know they did a rebranding then because it was like after the whole dark, what you know, Norman Mosborn in charge of things. Oh, that was the Age of Heroes. Did they call oh, that? Oh, yeah. You know what? I think you're right. Yeah, because I do remember yeah. those covers. So maybe that was a few years after that. Which you know that might that's not a that may not be a bad ending because everything from Civil War through to like dark dark the what was it called dark ages dark, no. dark rain dark rain excuse me yeah um and then up to age of heroes that was kind of like one big eventually it turned into one big giant story you know especially going through secret invasion and then dark rain and then you know age of heroes did feel like a new quote-unquote beginning so that that might be a good chopping list some something in the 2000s you know like you said that yeah so it, yeah, I was going to say Secret Invasion originally, but yeah, yeah that might be a good place to end it, like right around Siege, where that kind of ends. And yeah. then you start that, you, you know, they can start six with that Age of Heroes. All right, I guess we'll see. We will find out. Uh, I do love these. Just looking, I'm, just, I'm just flipping through the pages again. <laughs> <laughs> Too easy to do here. But no, thank you again for being here. I do appreciate this. Sure. And so tell everyone where to find you. Everyone can go to thedailyrios.com, which is a good place to get all the podcasts that I do. Or I also list all of the uh, podcast appearances, such as, as you know, this episode here. Uh, it's a good way to get uh, everything that I produce. Yep. Cool. And there will be links in the show notes. Cool. All right. Well, thank you again. And everybody, we'll see you next time with something. I don't know. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com 
and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.